Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Humphreys. Thanks very much for joining us. And I've got another really interesting guest joining me today, um, and that is Max Mitchum, who is VP of Sales for uh, a brand I don't think many people will have heard of called Talent Ticker. Um, Welcome, Max. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Alison. Okay, so for listeners uh, who are of an impatient disposition, um, Max and Talent Ticker have actually created a time-limited special offer for listeners of this podcast. So please stick with us. We'll be delivering this in as snappy a way as possible. But at the end, we'll give you details of how to access that. So let's get started. Max, first of all, I know that you are from a business intelligence and tech background. Could you just describe for our audience, by way of introduction, what your career path has been to where you are now? Yeah, of course. So um, over the past six, seven years, um, I've been working for um, a few different SaaS tech companies, uh, mainly within the business intelligence space. So I've always kind of worked in the area which is harvesting external information and making insights out of that. Uh, most recent one was working for a company called Meltwater, which is a media monitoring and social media listening platform, basically. Um, and I ran teams there from graduate level right up to enterprise uh, level, um, focusing on customers from you know SMB uh, through to enterprise as, as well. And um, yeah, I recently joined uh, Celligence, which is Talenticker, um, gosh, about 18 months ago now. Right. And it's been quite an exciting time for you, I I think. And Max, you are obviously British, but you're now based in New York. I am. But Talenticker does have a UK base, doesn't it? Yeah. So we were actually uh, started in the UK, in Cardiff uh, in particular, believe it or not. Um, So we have good Welsh heritage um, and we launched the New York office about seven, eight months ago, and then I've just launched another office down in Florida and, and Tampa as well. So we're, we're growing pretty quickly, but our headquarters is, is Cardiff. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I can confirm, in case anyone's interested, that those um, headquarters in Cardiff offer excellent, responsive customer service. So let's talk about the product here. Um, why did the world need another product in the in the massive and growing tech stack that recruiters have uh, sight of now. So what were the challenges and issues that the founder, who's Nick Vaughan, I think, yes? Correct, yeah. That the founder observed in the recruitment and talent acquisition industry that he thought, okay, we need to create a solution for this. Yeah. It, it was the inefficiencies more than anything that was happening across both business development and talent sourcing. So if we, if we look at business development to start with, what you know, Nick noticed was um, that there was an, an increased amount of inefficiencies around two things, time to productivity 
um, and then productivity per head. And uh, for those of you that you know know or don't know Nick, he started and founded his own company, Hamlin Williams, before exiting that a few years back. Uh, but he scaled that company to around 200 people, and it was mainly led around a graduate kind of program. Um, and that's really where he he understood that you know hiring someone to the point of uh, when they start billing is just if you look at and benchmark against you know my background which is tech sales uh, it takes a increased amount of time in comparison so i could probably get someone selling within the first four weeks um right if, if you look at my background so there was that part and he also noticed that the average billing per head always kind of plateaued um, and there was never the exponential increases that you could get, again, if you compared it to other kind of SaaS models out there, which is where you can kind of continually increase quotas as, as you go along. So that's why our, our business development was, was kind of born to help improve those efficiencies. And I think we'll go in later to talk about how, we, how we're doing it and why we believe that we're doing it. And then with the candidate sourcing, um, it was an over-reliance on existing tech stacks i.e. basically LinkedIn, uh, and this kind of spray and pray approach that, quite frankly, was yielding kind of okay results, but it was the most inefficient way of, of doing anything. Um, you know, and, and lo and behold, you couldn't actually scale that when the market is what it is now, which is crazy and very candidate short, the spray and pray uh, is just not working anymore, right? And so it was approach or a go-to-market strategy from talent sourcing that wasn't scalable in any market conditions. Um, and so that's, again, what we've produced um, a particular talent sourcing tool, which will alleviate that as well. Yeah. Now, just um, again, to put this in context for our listeners, this is one of a series of podcasts. I think this is number six now, which is really hung on the theme of candidate generation and engagement. But Talent Ticker does a lot more than that. And what you just described, i.e. over-dependence on LinkedIn or very limited and, and well-trodden candidate generation sources, is something that we've frequently touched on. Um, particularly as we now have the issue of certain job boards, um, you know, significantly raising their fees. And, you know, frankly, quite understandably, when you've gone from having 1.2 mil million jobs advertised in February 21 to 3.6 million jobs advertised on the same job boards uh, in February 22, it's quite right that they should look at their model and quite right that recruitment agency owners should be looking at theirs. And this is a very crowded industry. Um, it's also, I think most people would agree, is one where recruiters tend to try and pile into the same space at the same time. Yeah. So just with that angle about the sort of business development angle, I'd like to look, explore that first with Talent Ticker. If you look at the, the sexiest bits of the, of the recruitment market at the moment, many people would say, hey, it's startups, it's early stage, Series A, Series B funded startups. And um, they're where we can really get a great relationship with the CEO or founder of the business and just, you know, recruit a team really fast and very rewarding work, actually, for recruiters. But of course, they're all hitting the same people the minute there's an announcement made on Crunchbase. Yeah? So um, Talent Ticker, I know, can help with that. First question, what are the bits of market intelligence that would get you to hot prospects before everyone else, if only you could get them? 
So I think it's it's important to look first, okay, well, how is everyone currently doing business development, which is specifically um, around, you know, vacancies, um, right? Vacancies is a very common way, okay, job goes live, everyone chases after that particular vacancy. Or what you've said, which is, okay, company X has received 10 mil funding, series A, happy days, they're probably going to be hiring across the board, let's all hammer the, the CEO. Now, like you said, at that point, um, for, for what I believe anyway, as soon as an announcement like that happens um, or a vacancy happens, the horse has already left you know, the stables, right? It's every Tom, Dick and Harry is calling the same hiring manager. And so what we need to start doing is looking at external um, data, which basically leads up to that point of the event happening, the event being like a funding round. Um, so something that we do with, with our business development is starting to provide predictions, right? So it's looking at events which would lead to a series A, a series B, and that might be through market movers, that might be through various different um, M&A activities happening, certain data acquisitions from companies to get them to the point, or even just the number of clients that they have, right? So if I even look at, you know, Talentica ourselves, we're going through, through a raise, you hit a certain client threshold, someone's going to post it somewhere, there's going to be some article somewhere on the web which talks and references that. And what we're doing is we're picking up that bits of information. I call it digital breadcrumbs and basically pulling that together to give you then a prediction on what's going to happen with that company. And that prediction might be, okay, they're actually about to go through funding. And so what if we could tell you or what if you could know that company X was about to receive series A before any announcement ever happens? Well, that means that you could get in the door prior to anyone else calling that individual. It means that you could probably um, obtain some exclusivity for that client or even get some retained work, which then in my belief actually makes the candidate sourcing a lot easier because you're not competing with thousands of other recruiters where there's you know tens of hundreds on a PSL right so I, I certainly believe there is a candidate short market but I also believe it's typically and what I've worked with a lot of clients is it's also how you're actually formulating your business development strategy that actually makes your life harder anyway from a candidate um, sourcing perspective. Okay great so I think most people would go, look, happy days. If I can get to someone who's about to receive funding before everyone else, that sounds perfect. But there will understandably be some cynicism about, well, what, what are these predictive behaviours, these digital breadcrumbs that you're looking for? And, are, and do they apply to all sectors in the same way? So without giving away any trade secrets, can you just describe the kind of thing you're talking about? Of course. Um, so firstly, they, they vary massively. If I look at life science versus technology, um, you're looking at different events happening, um, whether it's clinical trials versus a pattern on certain bit of technology. Um, they're both going to lead to different events, but they're both going to lead to different hires uh, as, as, as well, which I think is the, is the key part. Because we're not just giving you predictions, right, on what if someone's going to be getting funding or if someone's going to be opening up a new office, because, again, that's great. But it's at this point, it's, it's not enough information. You need to know what roles they're going to be hiring into. So what we're doing is we're looking for around 40 to 50 different events that be things such as funding rounds, market movers, M&A, regulatory activity, office expansions, um, you name it. We're, we're basically pulling and searching the web, social platforms for things such as that happening. And this is not only for uh, startups now, this is also for fully fledged you know, enterprise companies. And then once we pick up 
um, a trail, I will say, of, of, of breadcrumbs there, we're then putting into our AI, um, which is just a fancy way of saying that we have basically taught the machine, we use ML, um, over the past four years to then give a prediction on what's going to happen and wh which roles they're going to be hiring into. And you, you're right, you're always going to have a lot of people being like, that sounds great, but how do I know those predictions are, are right? So what you have to do from a getting a little bit techie here, but from a tech perspective, you then have to validate and QA whether those predictions are correct or not. And you can simply do that by checking the vacancies. So over the last four years, what we've done is we've done a prediction, then a vacancy happens. And then we basically say, yes, you were right, because the AI is like a kid. If you train it wrong, it goes down the wrong path. So we're continuously having to QA and, and train it. So that's that's effectively how how we're doing it from a business development perspective. And funding rounds and startups are great, but where we actually add a lot of value is for those fully fledged companies uh, as as well, because you're just a little bit more unsure uh, on which roles they're specifically going to be hiring into. Whereas a Series A, you're probably going to be hiring across the board a little bit more. Right. Okay. So you're using natural language processing and artificial intelligence to, to gather all this data from multiple sources in real time. Correct, yeah. Okay, so that's fantastic. Now, when I think of uh, not just my early years in recruitment, but what I still see going on now, where business owners are actually using really expensive human resource to go and try and do that research, I'm thinking, whoa, this is like recruitment, this is potentially recruitment heaven. This sounds marvelous. Um, and uh, just a reminder, anyone who's listening, if you, I'm sure you'll be interested already, there is going to be a time-limited special offer from Talent Ticker announced at the end of this broadcast. But before we get into what else Talent Ticker can do, can we just discuss some of the mistakes that recruiters make when they're given data? Because sometimes we think, well, if only I had the data, everything would turn out perfectly. Um, what, what are your observations? I think there's there's two things because data is is also your tech stack, right? So I think the the first and and if I could give any advice to to people deciding, you know, what data do I need, what tools do I need, is make sure you're building a tech stack that will complement your current like ecosystem. And what I mean by that is make sure that they're able to talk to each other, um, because it, there's no point having data that sits in silo because the whole idea about what we're trying to do and, and what you know I'm, I'm trying to help recruitment leaders um, get to is the point of being very te technically savvy and forward leaning in the sense of how can we automate a lot of the business development and candidate sourcing process at scale that is personalized? Because that's the, that's the key to, to this is how can we allow you to become you know, 50 recruiters when there's only two of you? Or maybe there's a thousand, how can we even double that, right? And point you in the, in the right direction. So the first is just make sure you have a tech stack that talks to each other. The second is know, you need to know your market. And, and I know when I you know, speak to recruiters, pretty much every recruiter I've spoken to knows it inside out, which is you know, the, the blessing in disguise know what data is important to you and what isn't. And what I mean by that is you need to understand, okay, does funding rounds, does M&As, you know, whatever it is, does that actually lead to a, an event for you that you would be interested um, specifically in? Because then it allows you to set up the parameters when you're searching um, for things. And of course, for us anyway, as, as a tool, we can guide you on that. But if you're looking at other tools and things like that, just make sure you're very clear and aware of the data that you're getting into. 
And I think then the last part is um, for, and this isn't just now from a business development, this is also candidate sourcing, um, data decays at a rate of around 30% year on year. So you also need to think, how can you consistently update? Because what I hear a lot of people talk about is, you know, I've brought you know, thousand CVs from X company and I've just consumed them into my um, ATS or um, I've used, I've outsourced this BD and they've given me a list of leads that I'm just going to call, call after. That's great. And that's normally good for, you know, a couple of months. But data, as I say, is decaying rapidly, especially in you know the world that we live in right now. Things are changing at a million miles an hour. So you need to have a way of enriching or refreshing that data uh, month in, month out so that you're not getting stale or, or stagnant um, content or CV content coming through. Right. OK, so, yeah, don't make the investment and think it will do it for you. You've got to keep it up to date yourself. Um, just a point on what you just said, Max. You said about know what parameters are important in your market. So, for again, our listeners won't have seen Talent Ticker in action yet. You're saying they can personalize their reporting criteria, yes? Yeah, correct. So, you could go, you know, specifically um, within technology, within software, within particular parts of software, then you can go and actually understand the predictions on the role. So, not only looking at, okay, you know, I'm looking at technology, specifically software, anyone hiring across the board, you can then say, I want to then understand any software engineers that will be specializing in Java or something like that as, as well. So you can get very niche and granular with the searches that you're doing. And that's typically where I see people go wrong when they start to look at business development tools or anything like that out there is they stay too broad and it doesn't necessarily lead to any you know, any terms being placed or anything like that. So make sure it's very niche. Um, if you're looking at a tool or, or ours or whatever it is, that you can get specific with the parameters that you're doing. Now, given that... The we don't all cover the globe in terms of our recruitment efforts. What, what geographic markets can you actually support people in? So we're strongest in uh, European and American content, Northern American content. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. So now I'd like to turn to the, the other side of Talent Ticker and your thoughts on candidate sourcing and engagement in particular. Um, on previous episodes, I've spoken about this, um, unfortunately, quite prevalent Tinder approach to candidate sourcing, um, by which I mean people, you know, any, in relatively inexperienced recruiters going, oh, there are no candidates. But what they mean is I did a two word search on LinkedIn. I sent out an, an email to uh, 300 people saying, hello, we've never met, but I've got the ideal perfect job for you. And nobody bit, <laughs> you know. Well, therefore, there are no candidates. How can your the the sort of market intel that you're talking about support a more robust candidate sourcing approach than that? Yeah, of course. I think you know in your example there that that you gave, Alison. I think first things there is why people aren't replying as well is because LinkedIn's has become incredibly oversaturated. Um, over you know, in particular, over the last twelve to eighteen months, um, COVID really brought brought that about um, with people just getting you know, absolutely hammered by recruiters um, and there's become a genuine disengagement I feel from um, you know the candidate market to reply 
so that's that's one thing is you need to go fishing where people aren't right i think is the first and foremost and i also include job boards into that big believer that these people are just getting tapped up too much i mean if you're on a job board right now and you're a candidate it's also you know it's it's crazy market out there so i also question why candidates are on job markets um as, as well if we care about the quality that we're sending through a little bit um so what we've done is We've compiled, we've got around 650 million candidates globally now, so we, we can actually help globally a little bit, um, although I will preference we're stronger in European and Northern American content. Um, and we're giving you predictions on passive candidates, um, how likely they are to be moving roles. So sim in a similar vein um, to the business development, we're still looking externally and picking up external breadcrumbs here with um, candidates. And, and what I mean by that is, let's look at, you know, candidate A, how long have they been in that role? Typically, how long do they, do they stay in roles? How well is that company performing? How well is that company performing in the location that they currently are? Um, an example of that is Apple in the US might be doing very well, but in the UK, they might not be doing very well. So it would signify potential higher churn from a UK standpoint. And then also, what is the demand for that role at the time? Because, you know, candidates will be astutely aware that actually the demand is super high and I can go anywhere right now and potentially get, you know, better job, better pay, whatever it is that they're, they're looking for. So we, we take in, into fact uh, all of those different data points um, to then give you a prediction on how likely um, they are to, to move roles effectively. And what we've noticed is that it's decreased the number of candidates that you need for a role because you're sending, sending through quality candidates as opposed to like, let's just go harvesting as many as we can and, and flood them through. Right. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that about one of your predictors, just one, is how long people have been in a role. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, surely as, a, as an indicator, that's going to vary according to the role, I mean, given, you know, at a basic level that people in more senior roles will move relatively infrequently. Yes, no, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So let's say I typically spend two years um, at every company I go to. Um, that will be part of the equation. It won't be the, the, the sole factor because it's also looking at a few other variables, i.e. if the company's performing very well, it starts to outweigh the, the algorithm basically that we're using um, to, to, to give you that um, prediction. And then, you know, what we're doing as well, and you mentioned earlier, how can we make it more personalized? Um, so we're providing you, you know, a a full set of data on that individual candidate. So for example, if we're looking at me, we're providing you know, access to social, uh, giving them access to LinkedIn, uh, where they've been, their specialities, their skill sets, things like that, so that you can create a hyper-personalized email to them. And where we're going as, as a company is we're going to be able to do that on an automated level. So basically, the recruiter could go in and set out predefined triggers and then basically once those triggers is hit, it will send out an email that will be personalized to that individual um, as well. And again, we're just looking at passive candidates here. So I can equate that to when I see someone who really is an, a recruiter who really is an expert in their market, they can almost at a subconscious level pick up the indicators that you describe when they look through somebody's LinkedIn profile or behavior online. But an inexperienced recruiter it takes years to learn that, doesn't it? Yeah. And so your your point right at the top of this was about how Nick Vaughan, your founder, had 
recognize this issue about time to productivity and then scaling productivity. And so actually, if you can support people in getting this intelligence without having to work it all out for themselves <laughs> through life experience, um, I can totally see that that would uh, speed things up. And, you know, in an environment where, frankly, it, it takes about a year for a new hire in recruitment, uh, particularly if they're on a contract desk, about a year for them even to break even for that business, doesn't it? Never mind, put a penny onto the bottom line. Um, perhaps slightly shorter with, with permanent recruiters, but as you say, they tend to hit a ceiling in productivity sooner as well. Now, I know from the feedback we get, Max, that my listeners are always really keen to hear about some specific case studies, you know, where you can actually show some some evidence of measurable results. Now, I appreciate that uh, Talentaker is still an early company, but can you talk us through a couple of examples? Yeah, of course. I think a, a really nice one is, is a company called TDA, actually, TDA Creative. And uh, what you were saying earlier, it takes, what, about nine, nine to 10 months for a recruiter to get fully up and running. Um, with them, we actually managed to get a particular individual within their team up and running within, I think it was three to four months off the top of my head, where they landed, it was around a you know 50 to 60k fee. This person having never done recruitment before, I think at the time was a fresh grad, but don't quote me on that. Oh, oh, so if I can just interject then. So it's a really good point though, isn't it? It's it's not just that they get the intelligence to know where to direct their efforts. It's that when they do, they are much more credible as a result. Correct, exactly. So instead of people roaming the corridors, working which door, you know, to, to go into, so to speak, once they open that door, we're also then giving them the information or arming them with the information to actually have a call which doesn't go down the lines of, hey, I've seen you've got a, a job role open or, hey, I've seen you've just landed some funding. I'd love to help you because what we're giving you um, and for those that, you know, come and have a look at the platform is we're giving you a complete overview on that company, what they've been up to the past couple of years, where they're going, their trends, their history. So you can say, you know, I, 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 we're also giving non-recruitment related insights. So such as they're doing some, you know, charity work and things like that. So you can say, pick up the phone and be love the work that you're doing over here. Find that really inspiring. Notice that you've just gone through some series A and actually got a seed from this particular company. It'd be great to understand where you're going with the company, as I imagine you're probably going to start hiring into X roles. And you see how that conversation just differs so much to how a conversation would be like, I understand you're hiring because you just got series A funding. It's like thank you but no thank you is probably the approach that that person would take so there's there's that that's happened from like a grad perspective but then we've obviously got other companies at Spinks and jcw and eximius and a few others where again we've just helped with the efficiency process throughout from you know the number of calls that it make takes to get terms agreed um, through to the number of candidates that you send through to actually get a, a placement um, and helping across that that board from an, an efficiency standpoint. And I, I think what's really interesting, as you mentioned earlier, where we can really help with the, with the grads where they don't know the markets, they don't know what they're looking for. Interestingly, what we've been finding more and more recently because of where the market's gone is that historically was true. And you had the older recruiters that had their black book, let's say, and they know who to go speak to. But that's actually changing. 
now and a large majority of our clients are people who have 40, 50, 60 years of experience in recruitment and, and, and typically did have the, the black book of contacts. But now, actually, because the world is changing so fast, it's very unpredictable. Um, they need a way of making sure that there is a level of consistency, whether the market fluctuates or a way of getting into new markets and speeding up that process as well. Because, you know, we're going to help you get into you know, European markets, because we're going to give you all that content, translate it back into English for you, and then feed that back as well. So there's a way of broadening your horizons when it comes to um, the markets that you're you're going after. And it, and it really is with some of the older recruiters now, and I say older in terms of experience is what I mean. Right. So because it, no matter how well networked they are, they, they're dealing with requirements for brand new types of jobs. Brand new types of jobs, and also the market has, has not really been like this before, right? As 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 well, so it's dealing with that demand, um, more than more than anything. And then learning, okay, well, if you are, you know, uh, an individual recruiter running your own organization, how can I how can I automate certain parts, then focus on the parts that I need to to, to focus on as as well. So it's. If it was just you, Alison, for example, you know what to look for. You know what to look for from BD and candidate sourcing, but you can only do so much in a day. Um, I can do a lot more than than you can from a platform perspective, that is, and give that back to you in, in bite-sizable chunks so you can cover more of the market faster um, and be, like I said earlier in, the, in in this conversation, be 50 recruiters when you're only one. Oh, Music to some people's ears, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. And interestingly, what you're talking about there with people having to quickly grow, you know, learn about new functions or sectors, I, I see the REC re- produced some data in February, which was about time to fill. Now, it wasn't a huge sample group, but they said that of the respondents, uh, on average, permanent recruiters were taking a month longer to fill jobs that they had instructions on than they had done at the in 2020. And um, that's not just a question of availability of candidates. That's uh, all sorts of things, isn't it? Like candidates dropping out of the process or candidates sitting on multiple offers or even, you know, uh, acquiring them or... Uh, and so, well, the list is, is endless. So anything that we can do to keep that really tight will increase the chances of success, isn't it? In my experience, to generalise, Time kills deals. And the longer that a filling process, job filling process goes on, the more t- chance the client has got to sort of respect the job, uh, multiple candidates to sort of express an interest, take up a lot of time, uh, quite understandably, and then move somewhere else or or step off the, uh, the process. So that sounds like it's going to be of a lot of interest to our listeners max now we understand that you have kindly um got a special offer for listeners to the podcast would you like to share that now yeah of course so we're offering 20 percent off um for the next couple of months from when this podcast goes live uh all you need to do is simply head to talentticker.ai um book a demo there and just reference that you've listened to the podcast Okay, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest in that. Max, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be a, a good deal of inquiries. Thank you for very much for your contribution. So signing off, this is Alison Humphreys of Recruitment Leadership. Um, and I present a, a range of other experts in recruitment, their angles and things. If you're interested in having a, a board advisor or 
non-exec director who looks at the whole of your business, then please get in contact with me, alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk. So thanks and goodbye. Thanks, Alison. You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow recruitment leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.